there, and welcome to Tori Talks. This week, we're talking about limiting beliefs and getting past them. I'm so, so excited for this episode. I have been thinking about creating this episode for months because there's so much inspirational content in this and valuable content and advice that completely changed my life. And now that it's been a couple months since I started having this thought process and breaking through my own limiting beliefs, I get to see the fruit of all of it. And if you are new here, uh, hi, welcome. This is Tori Talks Podcast. I will be bringing you new episodes every other Thursday. And hopefully soon, it'll be every Thursday, but I still have to run a business, so I don't quite have the time to do it every week, but I can promise every other week and not let you down with that. But to get into it, I want to preface with kind of talking a little bit about myself and how I've gotten to where I am. So right now, I'm 23. I own a marketing agency called Kinley Inc. My last name is Kinley. That's why it's called that. And I have been thriving in my business. I'm getting clients. I'm getting lots of new connections. And I have gone past my imposter syndrome. If you're not familiar with the term imposter syndrome, it's when you know certain things and people come up to you and say that you're an expert in your field but you feel like a complete imposter and this is a very natural feeling albert einstein felt like this he spoke about it a lot a lot of higher ups i guess in a way of calling them that i don't know how to call them but a lot of people who seem to be experts in their industry to other people have this feeling of imposter syndrome where you feel like no matter how much you learn or how much you know, you're still a newbie and somebody is going to find out that you're not actually an expert and they're going to expose you and everybody's going to come after you and realize that you're not this genius in whatever subject you're pretending, in air quotes, to be a genius in. But again, a lot of people who are experts in fields do feel that way. And I felt like that for a while, even though I had years of experience in social media marketing particularly, but in the marketing agency, I was still technically a fresh student out of college, but for social media, I had been, I mean, I'm a zillennial, so between Gen Z and millennial, so I mean, I had Facebook and Instagram since I was in middle school and high school, but professionally, marketing-wise, I had actually been doing social media since my freshman year of college. So now it's been five years where I have, oh, actually, I'm sorry, I forgot, um, before that I had a page on Instagram in high school where I advertised local businesses in the area on Instagram before Instagram marketing was even a thing. Um, so I have had five to, I guess, eight years, including that time, of specifically social media marketing not just social media posting and posting for fun but specifically marketing and then influencer marketing when I was an influencer so understanding how to work with brands and then how brands work with influencers how brands market and then I studied marketing in college as one of my concentrations within my major I'm not going to go into it it's a very very lengthy major maybe I'll say it in a future podcast because I did like five things at once Um, but then when I graduated, I wanted to do a PhD and I didn't know what I wanted to do a PhD in. My heart is not 
in the private sector. Although I run a business, my heart has always been in the nonprofit sector and actually doing something with purpose and doing something to change lives or change the world. So when I was in college, I started a nonprofit called Greenhouse. It was a valet recycling service and it was doing really, really well. I had gotten some seed funding and we had trials and apartment buildings that were willing to work with me in the fall of 2018. I had set everything up so that in spring 2019, we would have things going. I had employees hired. Everything was ready to launch. And then I had a family emergency and I had to move back home for that spring semester. And I actually had to dissolve that nonprofit, which was really hard because one, I became known as the greenhouse recycling girl because um, I was doing that because none of the apartment complexes surrounding Florida State recycled. And I found that particularly odd for, this was back again in 2018, but still like in 2018 in modern times where we're talking about global warming and sustainability and we focus so much on sustainability, yet a very simple task like recycling isn't even offered to college students in their apartments. So that inspired me to create the whole business model and I ran with it for about a year and like I said, as it was about to launch, I had to dissolve it and step away from it just because the business model didn't work where I was moving to, where my parents are from. Florida Gulf Coast University is close to where my parents are, but um, they have a different, the, the county has a different structure as to how recycling gets picked up and utilized and it just didn't work the same way that it would have uh, in the county that Tallahassee was in. Tallahassee is the capital of Florida, in case some of you don't know. I have a very global audience with this podcast and my Instagram and TikTok, and I forget because I, and and I really shouldn't be doing this because I've talked so often about how my parents are immigrants, uh, but I forget to get out of the Florida, America silo of a mindset and remember that I have people listening all over the world. A huge chunk of my followers are from the UK and Australia, which is really cool. I'll have to perfect my Australian accent and maybe do a podcast episode with that. Actually, scratch that. I would offend so many people if I tried to do that. Um, But I I need to remember that some of the things that I say or reference to some people just aren't familiar with. So uh, where I went to school was Florida State University and that's located in Tallahassee. Um, But yeah, so I did that nonprofit and then it failed. And then I graduated college that semester and I was living at home with my parents, planning on doing an MBA back at Florida State University. Florida State University has a one-year accelerated Master's of Business Administration program. I said that's what I was going to do because, one, a lot of people do a master's because we are just not ready to go into the job field and we really don't know what to do. And that was me. That was me procrastinating getting a job because I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I just said, okay, you know, I'll get an MBA, I'll get a master's because I don't want to be that person that just has a bachelor's. I felt, um, so I don't feel this way now, but back then, because I was smart, I've always been smart and labeled as smart, but my identity came in those degrees, right? If you have a master's, you are smarter than somebody who has a bachelor's. And if you have a PhD, you're smarter than somebody who has a master's, which that statement does have merit. However, 
it's not necessarily true. Like your identity and your intelligence does not come from the amount of degrees that you have because I know plenty of people that have a master's degree that are not at all experts in their field because they think that they're experts and they allow that degree to be the identity for them and the validation of having an expertise instead of actually continuing to seek knowledge in the field that they are either consulting on or they're working in or they're speaking on. Um, And data changes constantly. Uh, There's some fields where data doesn't change as often, so like mathematics. Mathematics is a very structured field. If you have a bachelor's, you are not going to be as smart as somebody who has a master's. And then again with the PhD. That is something that you need to have the experience and time and the education in order to become an expert. Even something like engineering to a medical field, like those are structures where that is a very valid statement. Marketing, however, uh, business-wise, real estate, things like that where a lot of people put it onto their resume as I'm an expert in my field because I have a master's in business. That's not necessarily true. And that's not to offend anybody who has a master's in business. Again, I was going to do it. Uh, but there are a lot of business resources that are amazing out there that are going to teach you pretty much everything that you need to know about those fields. So for example, I only took maybe four or five marketing classes in college. And out of those four or five marketing classes, I learned some things. I learned what marketing was, but I learned so much more about marketing by reading. I learned more about marketing in one book than I did in those college classes. And that's not to say that those were bad college classes. I love my professors. I have great, great relationships with some of my professors, especially the ones in the marketing department. Those are the ones that I still continue to have contact with and they are some of my great, great mentors. But when you sit down and read a book, that is filled with information. You're not sitting there trying to memorize things for an exam. You're not trying to cram because you want to get an A in the class or maybe you even just don't care about the class. You're not somebody who is a perfectionist like I was where I just cared about getting the A Or you could just be somebody that is taking the class and is just trying to pass your classes with the basic grade and you're just kind of partying your way through college and you're not actually absorbing that information. So that's where, you know, somebody who comes to you saying like, oh, I have a master's or not a master's, I have a bachelor's degree in marketing or whatever. Okay, but did you actually, you know, focus? Did you actually absorb? Whereas these books, you take the time to actually read the books and read them in a way that doesn't feel like you are studying and you're cramming for an exam it's a very difficult mindset shift that you have to do I'll do a podcast episode on this as well because that was something that I had to learn how to do was reading non-fiction books for pleasure because they seemed like textbooks so pretty much getting past the I guess PTSD of reading after college and especially books that were informational that seemed like a textbook and trying to get past that textbook feel. We'll talk about that in the future. That's definitely something that I've been thinking about creating content for for a while because it's super important for your mindset and reading is so good for you because it changed my life. But back to the story of how I got to where I was or how I got to where I am, I graduated, decided not to do my master's because I decided I wanted to do a PhD. I had taken some time to think about it and discern and decide what I wanted to do with my life And I had come to the conclusion that I 
wanted to inspire people and educate people and I wanted to do research and be a big nerd. (laughs) I love, 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 love research. But then came to this, I came to this back and forth dilemma of, well, my background is in political science, social entrepreneurship, and marketing. I can't do a PhD in social entrepreneurship. If I did a PhD in marketing, I wouldn't like it because it wouldn't be fulfilling. Like I had mentioned about the nonprofit sector and the nonprofit side, I really liked doing something humanitarian, doing something to give back to people and give back to the planet. And when I thought about just doing marketing research, for me, that just seemed like business where I was like, I don't care, you know, if we figure out what slogan works better to sell toothpaste. And I don't care if we are researching what kind of packaging works better for this deodorant brand, you know, things like that, where that's what I thought of when I thought of PhD for marketing and research. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, I had done a lot of political science work. So I interned in the Capitol building for the governor when I was in college and I hated it. I absolutely hate government work. And when I thought about doing a PhD in political science or even public policy, yes, that seemed great on the outside for me as, oh, this is humanitarian. I get to figure out policy and do things that can help change lives. But really a PhD, it's it's all research and teaching it. And if I had to sit there and do research and log an Excel sheet about what laws these certain governors had implemented, I was going to, I'm not going to make a... I was going to, I'm not going to make that joke, Um, but I was going to hate it. I was going to make a joke that was a little bit insensitive, so I just filtered. Uh, But again, this podcast is unedited and unfiltered, so enjoy. Um, But I, I wouldn't enjoy that because I had been doing political science research and I hated it. It was terrible because it was literally just logging information into an Excel sheet. It wasn't actually figuring out what types of policies to implement. And I'm sure as, as you get into a PhD, it's more like that. But uh, one of my professors had told me that a PhD is like a marriage. You are committing to five years of schooling, but then after that, that is going to become your identity. That is what you're going to be researching. And she said that if you are not completely passionate about it and you want to, air quote, marry that PhD program, it's not for you because it becomes your life and your entire life and you are living and breathing that program. So I decided to take a year off instead of jumping into a PhD program just to be able to say that I'm in a PhD program because there's a lot of us that say we're going to grad school or uh, there's so many memes and stuff about like, oh, there's more to grad school than just saying you're going to grad school. And so I wanted to step back and I called this year my year of humility because I focused on researching different things that I was interested in. I was studying for the GRE for grad school entrances, but I took the year of living at home with my parents. I was working jobs and nonprofits that weren't paying very much or I was doing free work. So I was doing mission work for a church that was completely unpaid. I was doing marketing and social media marketing and things like that to build women's groups and men's groups for communities. 
I was building communities online, completely unpaid. I was babysitting and making money that way, and then I was also working at a human trafficking shelter for minor female victims of human trafficking. And although it sounds very glamorous, which, no, maybe it doesn't sound glamorous, it sounds very, um, oh, what's the word that I'm trying to think of uh, when you... I can't think of it when you're like someone who is doing something that sounds really, really good and you're trying to seek kind of that affirmation from people where you're like, oh, virtue signaling, virtue signaling. It sounds like I'm virtue signaling, right? Where it's like, oh, I worked at a human trafficking shelter for minor female victims of human trafficking. It was very interesting because I got to learn a lot about trauma psychology. So I have done hours and hours, I mean like like a hundred plus hours of education and learning on trauma responses, the brain responses with trauma, psychology, trauma psychology, the way the brain works with certain factors and certain behaviors and things like that, which was so incredibly interesting. And during that time, I was also reading a lot. I was never never reading like since high school I think I read my last book in high school and then in college obviously all I read was textbooks but like I had mentioned I didn't want to read because of the PTSD from college and reading textbooks so I went to my library and I just said like I want to learn these things and I started reading and a lot of times you know I would read maybe a couple chapters of a book and not finish it or maybe I'd get halfway and not finish it and on the rare occasion I would finish the book But the few chapters that I did read out of the books, even if I didn't finish them, still gave me a wealth of knowledge. And it was still, you know, three, four chapters more of knowledge than I had before I read it. And that's also something you just kind of have to think about, you know, like the little bits that you do read, although you feel discouraged that you don't finish, it still adds value to your life and it still adds knowledge to your life. But reading was one way that I was was building my my idea for passion, I was pretty much seeking knowledge in places in the same way that I would go to school. Like I loved learning, but I wanted to rediscover that passion of learning because I was so burnt out from college and from trying to be perfect. I did graduate with a 4.0. Actually, it was a 3.98. I got a B plus when I was in high school when I was in an early admission program. And I didn't know that that uh, B plus was going to affect my college GPA. So technically it wasn't a 4.0. My FSU GPA was a 4.0 but my my college GPA was a 3.98, which was so disappointing for my perfectionistic brain, but it's okay because that also taught me humility, and humility is a virtue. So regardless, in this year of humility, I also was watching a bunch of YouTube videos and listening to podcasts of just things that I wanted to learn, and I was trying to discover what I was passionate about. So I was watching things on like public policy, but also business and medicine and psychology, uh, finance, engineering. And I actually considered engineering for a little bit because I am really good with my hands. Like I used to work on cars and me and my dad always like to build things together. Uh, but engineering requires a lot of undergrad work that I didn't have and a lot of math. And that would have meant just pretty much starting over. But a lot of the things that I had been looking into were not at all business related or political science related and I thought for a second that I'd have to start over and I kind of got into this crisis where I was thinking like I was too smart to kind of bullshit my way through college and really the reason I chose those majors was because they were easy 
and because they were easy to fulfill that desire of perfectionism with the 4.0 because I knew that I'd be able to accomplish a 4.0. In a biology major, it's that is way more impressive to achieve a 4.0 as a biology major or an engineer than it is as a political science major or a business major. Like, no offense to political science and business majors because I'm one of you, but like, it's true because biology is so much harder. Chemistry, you know, biomedical engineering, those are much harder majors that require a lot more particular study than political science and marketing. But I started seeing some overlap in the things that I was really interested in. And I was interested in the brain because I had been looking into policy. I'd been looking into jobs within the environmental sector. I'd always been passionate about the environment. I actually went and audited a class at Florida Gulf Coast University. Uh, Auditing a class means going and sitting in on it. So I talked to the professor. It was a master's level environmental policy class. And I just spoke to him and I said, you know, I'm interested in it. I've done this research. I've done this and this and this. And he was like, yeah, sure. You can come be in my class. Here's all the resources. I'll give you the textbook for free. You can join into the class and be in all of the discussions. You can be in all of the group presentations and you don't have to pay for the class. You don't get credit for it, but I can also write you a letter of recommendation at the end if you do well. And maybe we can do some research together. Life hack. College is not the only way to education and that's why I stress that a degree is not the way the the only way it's not the only way to get an education and genuinely you do not have to pay to be smart you do not have to pay 20 to 40 thousand dollars plus per year on a college education if you want to go to college to learn you can go to college right now it doesn't matter how old you are It doesn't matter what your background is. If you have the prerequisites or not, go and speak to a professor and just say, hey, I'm interested in this subject. Can I sit in on your class? And odds are they're going to say yes, because this wasn't the only professor I did that with. I did that my, it was fall 2019. So after I'd graduated, I sat in with this professor and I did do research with him and I became one of his favorite students because I came to learn, and what was great was I wasn't feeling forced. I didn't have to do the exams. I wasn't getting graded on it, so I could relax in that class. And I started enjoying learning again instead of feeling stressed about it. And so I dove further into different subjects that interested me. And I went on Coursera.com, and I was in an intro to psychology class with a professor from Yale who Ironically, I was actually reading his book at the same time. It's Dr. Paul Bloom. Fascinating. Genius. Genius professor. And I was reading his book um, about pleasure, about human pleasure, at the same time as I was taking his class. And I didn't realize that it was the same person until afterwards, like months after I picked up the book again at the library because I wanted to reread it because it was so good. And I realized, like, Paul Bloom, wait, that was my professor. And... It was a great course because, again, I could take it on my own time. I was sitting there to learn, just to learn, and not because I was being forced to. And I started doing that a lot more often where I was listening to, like I said, podcasts and YouTube. And I realized where my interest gravitated towards was psychology. I read pretty much every psychology book in the library, in my local library. I would walk out of there with a stack of 15 books underneath my chin and the ladies looked at me like I was crazy and especially when I would come return them because sometimes they were late. Um, 
but again, I didn't read all of those books necessarily. I would open them and I would read a couple of chapters and think, you know, maybe this is interesting to keep reading or this isn't interesting enough. And then I put it away. But that got me to realize psychology was what I was passionate about. And specifically social psychology and the way that humans interact and the way that humans not only interact with each other, but how to persuade humans to do certain things. And so then the following semester, spring 2020, I audited two psychology classes at Florida Gulf Coast University. I audited social psychology and human neuropsychology. And the human neuropsychology was fascinating because we actually got to go through the different sections of the brain and talk about how certain structures worked and what triggered certain things and what kind of symptoms to look out for with things like uh, vitamin deficiencies causing certain neuro issues. So like a vitamin B12 deficiency can cause a lot of neurological conditions. It can cause depression, it can cause anxiety, it can cause memory lapses. And actually the reason that I knew this, so the professor like asked in class, we did a role play about uh, a pretend patient coming in and having certain symptoms and it was like the first or second week of school and so the professor was just testing us and really didn't think anybody was going to have the answer and he was like oh what do you think the cause is what do you think is the reason for all this and people raised their hands and said you know early onset alzheimer's or dementia and things like that and he's like no you know he's too young or no he doesn't exhibit these symptoms and i had just a couple months prior gotten a diagnosis and blood work done that I had low B12 levels and my symptoms were actually memory lapses so I started forgetting people's names and at first I thought it was a stress response but actually I was forgetting people's names who it was people that like I knew you know it wasn't random strangers that I met once or twice but it was like people that I regularly saw who not necessarily were my best friends or anything like that, but I saw them, you know, on a weekly basis and I couldn't for the life of me remember their name. And I didn't tell a lot of people about it because that was incredibly embarrassing for the fact that I would forget people's names who, again, I knew for like years, but just not super, super well. And I went to my doctor about this, just being like, do I have a brain tumor? I'm 20 years old. I shouldn't be having memory lapses. And she said that a vitamin B12 deficiency can do that and can cause that. And so she tested me for a vitamin B12 deficiency. And in fact, I did have, uh, it wasn't completely deficient, but it was on the lower end of the spectrum. And that's what was causing those memory lapses. And so when there were similar symptoms to mine, I raised my hand and I said, is it a B12 deficiency? And people kind of looked at me a little confused. And he was like, exactly. This was a young patient who had come into my office and was exhibiting these symptoms. And his parents brought him in for, you know, Alzheimer's and he had a B12 deficiency. And that's when I started becoming like extremely fascinated with also the gut brain connection. That's like the gut, uh, your gut biome causes a lot of issues with your brain. So people who have food sensitivities can have really bad depression and anxiety. Um, But same with different uh, vitamin deficiencies. So like a zinc deficiency can cause uh, anxiety. Uh, Vitamin B complex, especially B6 can cause panic disorder. So I am going to be getting a blood panel done pretty soon uh, because I have been, my panic disorder came back and is having a flare up and I really think it's caused by some kind of vitamin deficiency. But off track, 
as you can tell, I'm incredibly passionate about it. And I found that passion. And so my heart was set on a PhD. And when I figured out what I was passionate about, I took another year off to study for the GRE and COVID had hit during this time. And my goal was to do a PhD in social psychology. And I wanted to be that person who dedicated their life to research and changing the world and teaching people and becoming a professor and everything that had to do with a PhD. But I studied for the GRE for over a year. I took it once. I studied for four months and then I took it once and I didn't get the scores that I wanted. And the school I wanted to go to was Stanford because they had the program that fit everything I wanted. They had a psychology program that, it, or it was, I'm sorry, it was behavioral marketing. So it was technically a marketing program with social psychology professors. So you get to learn the neuroscience of marketing and they worked a lot on like public policy and stuff. I actually, so Stanford was one that I really liked uh, because of their behavioral marketing program. But for the social psychology school, I really liked Harvard's program because they combined public policy and business together in their social psychology program, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, and I know those, those are like big schools and those are shooting pretty high and stuff, but, um, I really did want to go to those schools and the program that I wanted was very unique and they were unique in those programs. And so it fit and it wasn't just, I want to go to Harvard cause it's Harvard or I want to go to Stanford cause it's Stanford, but it was, these programs really do fit the interests that I'm looking for. And if I want to, in air quotes, get married to a program, I want to go to one of these two, but um, I took the exam once and my GRE score wasn't high enough. And so then I said, okay, I'm going to dedicate the next eight months to just studying. And I know that if I put my mind to it, I'm going to be able to get a near perfect score so that I can get into these schools. And I spent eight months studying for that exam nonstop. That's all I was doing was working at the human trafficking shelter and studying for the GRE. And I dropped in my score in one section and I raised it in the other section, and I don't know how that happened. My scores on my practice test were near perfect, and then on that exam, I did not do as well as I wanted, and I had put two years off to go into a program like this, and my score wasn't even good. So it's not me not having the humility to apply to a state school. My My score wasn't even good enough for a state school to get into, A lot of the state schools actually near me, like UF, University of Florida, want scores that are just as high, if not a little bit higher than Harvard. Um, And even same with Florida State. Florida State didn't have a similar program to what I was looking for. UF at least had a kind of similar program. Not quite as perfect as the other ones, but similar enough that I could work with it. Florida State didn't have that. They really had only like a consumer behavior section, but it didn't have as much of a psychology element. But even Florida State had told me that my scores weren't really high enough for them and that crushed my my little heart because that's really that's all I wanted was to be a researcher and to to be somebody that could inspire people and change lives and educate and teach about the brain and consult about the brain too because where people don't understand social psychology comes in in public policy in things like to persuade people to do something and as controversial as this is I'm not going to say you know, which side to be on necessarily, and if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but, like, social psychologists do studies on what kind of campaigns to run for, like, the COVID vaccine, and what types of campaigns are the most um, influential in, you know, getting people to vote, or getting people to recycle, or getting people to get vaccinated, 
and things like that that are incredibly powerful because it is at the end of the day the power of psychology persuasion and manipulation it's incredibly interesting and incredibly powerful but incredibly easy to be uh, corrupted but that's why I really liked it because I wanted to learn these things and how to stay away from being brainwashed and also how can I not brainwash people for good but like seeing the human trafficking shelter victims like how can I brainwash them so that their trauma can be healed if that makes sense and how can I help their bonds between human interactions and how can I persuade how can you manipulate someone to go from bad to good you know like the people that were there they're not predators um what's the word I can't remember now um they're offenders how do you persuade I'm sorry a car just went by my window very loud one but how do you persuade those people to be good when they're inherently not and is there a way to do that regardless where I want to get to the chunk sorry this is taking a lot longer to explain this um to the limiting beliefs uh but I'm almost there so then um while I was discerning while I was studying for the GRE I had taken a corporate job I had my business I was doing some work for a couple little clients but I didn't want to start a business and then go into a PhD program and have to dissolve my business so I never went fully into the business but I went to this corporate job because it was stable income it was as a marketing specialist and it was fine Um, I wasn't getting paid great money but it was it was good money for um, somebody who was making $12 an hour at the human trafficking shelter and I had to stay there from Thursday night at 7 p.m. until Sunday night at 7 p.m. so I I spent the night for three nights and we only got paid from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. so we didn't get paid at night and we only got paid $12 an hour and we were 1099 employees so we still had to take taxes out of that Um, so yes I was very poor I still (laughs) I'm still recovering financially a little bit from that but I just wanted to I wanted the experience, I wanted to do good, and I wanted to change lives, but um, when I got to that corporate job, and after I got the GRE scores that I didn't want, my plan originally was to be in that job, and then to go full-time, save up money, and then go to grad school, and not have to worry about my business, not have to build something, and again, have to quit it when I just started, but then when I got those GRE scores that weren't high enough for grad school, I took that as one, okay, maybe grad school isn't meant to be as much as I wanted it's not meant to be, but two, now I have to decide what my life path is, and I have absolutely no idea, because do I stay in this job? I didn't like the job because it didn't have any windows in the office, and it was winter time, and I was like, well, if I take this job and I go full time, I'm never going to be able to see a sunset until, you know, spring or summer. Um, and I liked just kind of reflecting at sunset time and going to the beach. Um, and I had this friend come into my life and he was actually my ex-boyfriend. Um, but he came into my life and he had started a business at 
I believe he was 20 when he started his business. He took two years off of school to take care of his brother and uh, in the process started a business to help support his family. His business made six figures and he ran that business. And he was by far the most successful person close to my age that I knew. And we hadn't talked for two years and he just kind of came into my life suddenly and we were just friends. And he was there during the time of me and my corporate job. And he knew my heart. He knew my entrepreneurial heart and my drive and my desire to do something more for the world and more for myself than to sit at a desk from 9 to 6 p.m. and not be able to see a sunset just because I was getting paid a measly, you know, 20 bucks an hour. Which 20 bucks an hour is good, but uh, it's 20 bucks an hour to sell my life essentially to someone because if I go there from 9 to 6, I don't have time to do anything else. I go home, I eat dinner, and then I get ready for the next day at work for five days a week. And he talked to me about it, and this is where he got past my limiting beliefs and he didn't even realize he was doing this but I want to share this story with you because I think it can inspire you that you genuinely can do anything you want if you believe that you can and that somebody else did and that it's easy to do so I had talked to him about like you know I kind of want to start my own business but at the same time like I want the stability of income and I need to make money and I don't know if my business is going to make money or not and this and this and this and so my salary offer was $40,000 per year at that job which is a good salary and he was like he was like you can make that salary easily like you could easily make that in your first year he's like you could easily make six figures in your first year and I was like whoa 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 buddy like hold your horses that's a lot of money like even $40,000 like my parents don't make a ton of money per year. Like $40,000 is a lot of money per year. That's a good salary. Like teachers make less than that. A lot of people that I know make less than that. $40,000 is good. And he was like, he's like, no, you can easily make $40,000. I was like, no, I can't. Like $40,000, that's to be able to find clients like that and generate that much income per month. That's a lot of work. I'm not sure if I can do that. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, trust me, I've done it. Like if I can do it, you can do it. And so that switched my mindset in that moment of like, okay, he can do it. So yeah, I can do it. If he says it's easy, then like, okay, it must be easy. Like, let me just grind it out. And you know, that's when I was manifesting in my journal and I was working on things. And I, for the first few months was living on a thousand dollars per month. It was hard to get clients, but I was still you know, paying my bills. I lived below my means and I still had this mindset of, I can do it. I can do it because he said I could. The only reason I thought I could do it is because he said that I could. And so I got to a point where I was able to make like a decent amount of money per month, close to my, uh, close to what I was making part-time. So not quite the 40,000 per year, close to what I was making part-time in recurring income. So clients that were paying that per month and a client can cancel at any time, but it was kind of guaranteed income where I didn't have to do any more selling or anything like that of a service. And he was potentially going to come in as a business partner. And so we were talking about my financials and he was like, wait, you're making 
that much in recurring per month? And I was like, yeah, like it's not a lot. It's not quite, you know, six figures or anything like that. And he's like, Tori, that's amazing. Like I've never been able to get this kind of money recurring. You like you got this structured so well. And I was like, what do you mean you've never been able to do that? Like you're the one who told me that it was possible. You're the only reason that I even thought that I could do this. And he's like, no, like yeah, my business was successful, but you have to like sell that or you have to work a lot harder. They're not coming monthly. Like you can just build on top of this. And I was like, wait, what do you mean you didn't do this? I thought you did do this. <laughs> the only reason I thought that I could do it is because you did. And from there, I learned that it, I, the whole time that I had been looking for clients and working and the only thing pushing me was his internal voice in my head saying like, oh, it's easy. Oh, you can do that. And I was like, well, if he says it's easy, like, okay, like if he can do it, I can do it, you know? And then I realized he didn't do that. I did that. And it was my limiting beliefs that were telling me that I couldn't. And the moment somebody said that, you know, they could do it easily and that it was easy to do. And I started believing that it was easy to do. I did it. And that was like this huge light bulb moment for me where the only thing really holding me back was my mindset. And the thing that was propelling me forward was that mindset of saying, oh, I can do it. It's so easy because this person did it. That little mindset change completely changed the trajectory of everything, of my business, of my mindset, of my life, of just thinking, oh, it's easy because this person did it or Oh, then I go on TikTok and I see this, you know, 22-year-old marketing girl and stuff like that, that people are owning businesses at my age. And instead of feeling discouraged by it like I did before where I would sit there and think, oh my gosh, I live at home with my parents and this person is my age and they own a business and I'm sitting at home still unsure of what I want to do with my life. And I realized that really the difference between the person who thinks that of envy and jealousy and maybe even less so those feelings and more this self-deprecation and slight depression when you see those kind of things but to change your mindset and to think oh my gosh that person is my age and they're doing that oh let me try and do that because not necessarily that it's easy it's not easy owning your own business there's a lot you have to sacrifice and I don't want to say that it's easy but if that person can do it you can do it if I can do it you can do it And it's hard and there are different types of scenarios that you're in that I don't encourage potentially starting a business. And maybe I wouldn't have started a business if I wasn't in the right type of situation. And I talked about that last week on the episode where, you know, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and, or not even a stay-at-home mom, maybe you're like a working mom and you need that stable income in order to take care of your child. Starting your own business, your income's not going to be as stable and your journey might be a little bit different than mine where mine was quitting my job and then just diving into my business without any income, without any clients, just because my expenses were low because I was living at home and then knowing that I was just going to have to live below my means. But I was used to living below my means because like I had said, I didn't have very much income before that. I was very, very (laughs) poor before that. But um, I wanted to just share that with you and I know there was a lot of talking of my story and not as much actual information but that little bit is so powerful 
of just changing your mindset to think if that person can do it I can do it it's easy no matter what it is it's easy there are people who are in their 20s making six figures that doesn't mean that because you're 50 years old and not making six figures and you're stuck in a job that you don't like that you have to feel discouraged by that but it means that you can take that as inspiration and think oh if they can do it I can do it my parents are immigrants my dad came here with the clothes on his back and five dollars in his pocket and they're five dollars that the person on the boat gave him and he like still has that five dollars um but he started a business and he's been successful and able to survive in a country where he didn't know the language and he didn't have any connections and he didn't have rich parents to give him a grant to start a business i didn't have that either you know i didn't have the million dollar loan or business grant or whatever to start a business i was privileged enough to be able to live at home with my parents to where I didn't have to pay rent for the first month of my business but then I did have to move out and I did have to pay rent and I did have to pay my expenses and I was still in debt for a little bit Um, and so those are things that you have to think about but also remember that there are people who do it like Rachel Peterson amazing woman I follow her on TikTok I read all of her stuff she does social media management and she was a single mom in her 20s and didn't know what to do and I believe former drug addict like I'm pretty positive but that's something that I don't want to say without knowing for certain so I really apologize if that's wrong Um, but I I want to say (laughs) that she was um, or recovering from from something I know she recovered from an eating disorder as well but um, from something I believe also she had a drug addiction but I'm not positive about that and she talks and inspires a lot of people about overcoming that and starting a business and freelancing and doing freelance full-time and it's one of those things that if she can do it I can do it so find those people find those people and don't be discouraged by them don't be discouraged by me I get some people who tell me like oh like you do so many things like I wish I could be like you like you can be I'm not anything special there are plenty of people who are way way smarter than me who have done a lot more than I have and that's not imposter syndrome talking that is me just knowing exactly where I'm at and knowing, having the humility to admit that I am not at all the smartest person in the room ever. Am I knowledgeable in certain things? Yes, but I'm constantly seeking to increase in that. But I'm always looking to surround myself with people who have good mindsets and I've been able to find people like that to help me break through certain mindset and limiting beliefs that I have. And those types of people help me a lot and inspire me because I see certain people that might not necessarily be super smart right we all know that person but they are successful as hell they're driving around in a lamborghini they're they have a car collection and and i i work with a lot of bigger i guess high rollers in southwest florida and they're not necessarily the brightest people so if they can do it i can do it and you can do it too so i hope you took something away with this or at least got to know me a little bit more and why I speak on the things that I speak on, and why I'm passionate about the things that I'm passionate about, because although I didn't get to fulfill my PhD dreams yet, if I will, but I still want to fulfill that aspect of inspiring and teaching and educating others and helping people change their lives and find their purpose, because that was really the motivating factor of becoming a professor. And I do the research aspects already for my business, and I do the neuroscience and marketing research just without the PhD title. Um, But now I get to inspire and educate all of you. So thank you for giving me the outlet to do that. 
And again, I will be posting new podcast episodes every other week. I am hoping to eventually also just record these as YouTube videos whenever I record them. But if you are one of the original listeners, you know I still do this. I just record on my headphones, on my iPhone. Um, just the little plug-in headphone microphone because it works better than any podcast microphone I've been able to find. And I tend to feel inspired to record these podcast episodes later at night. So like right now it's late at night and I'm just sitting outside near my window um, just speaking to you all. And I like to keep them casual. So we'll see if I can record podcast episodes in a YouTube format or not. But if I can, then I will share that with you. Uh, just make sure you're following on Instagram for updates and TikTok. I haven't uploaded or I haven't updated TikTok about having more podcast episodes and my viewership has gone down significantly since I stopped doing this for a while, but that's okay. I'm not doing it for how many people necessarily that it reaches, but just to kind of put it out there and if it helps one person, then that's worth it for me. So thank you guys once again for listening. Thank you for the support on this second round of trying to start up the podcast again but i have a good feeling about it this time well thanks for listening bye